Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. And you are our listeners, and as always, we thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to listen to Prep Talk on your favorite podcast provider. You can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, at NYC Emergency MGT, Facebook, Instagram, and much more. On this episode, we're talking about the New York City Marathon. That's right, Omar. We will be speaking with representatives from New York Roadrunners, which has served as a premier community-running organization for more than 60 years, and serves as the organizer of the TCS New York City Marathon. But before we dive in, you know what time it is. Let's get you up to date on the latest news in the emergency management field. Here's your Prep Talk Situation Report. All right, it's the Situation Report. Let's get started. Thank you, Allison. The first story comes from the Environmental Protection Agency, and the EPA recently announced a new proposal that would change how communities test for lead in drinking water. These regulations are aimed at stopping people's water from being contaminated through lead pipes that connect public water supplies to people's homes. Now, the new proposal would require water systems to do two things. First, they would keep a public inventory of the location of the lead service lines. And secondly, they would help homeowners replace the service lines if the water is contaminated with lead. Now, if water tests show dangerous lead levels, utilities would have to notify customers within 24 hours. Some environmental advocates say the proposals do not go far enough as the EPA is not moving to require that all lead service lines be proactively replaced nationwide. Thanks, Omar. So how can local and state governments improve their natural disaster preparedness? American City and County offered these tips. One, have a plan and back up the backup. So specifically having an IT backup plan is essential. So this should include redundant power supply and using a cloud environment. Also, use data to predict future events. So this should include automated technologies to help government understand the likelihood of a disaster affecting the area and any necessary additional resources. Third tip, focus on preparedness, but not recovery. So studies have found that $1 spent on mitigation funding can save $6 in disaster costs. And finally, practice, practice, practice. Conducting drills in collaboration with cities and states that have experienced an incident before. So this allows government to consider and work through challenges before an incident occurs. Thank you, Allison. I really love the last tip, practice, 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 uh, because we tell uh, our listeners, you know, to make sure you practice your emergency plan. We're doing the same on the emergency management level. Uh, We have drills, we have exercises, we're bringing local, state, federal partners to the table uh, to discuss scenarios and practice them before uh, a real event. So I like that. Practice makes perfect, as they said. And in our last story, Game of Thrones may be over, but unfortunately for some, winter is still coming. That's right. According to AccuWeather, 
An active winter season for the Northeastern United States is in play. Now, despite a few cold spells across the Northeast during the fall, experts say that winter's chill won't arrive until at least the end of 2019. So, Allison and our listeners, we still have some time. It's not quite here yet. Now, once the wintry weather does get underway, an active season will be in store. We'll see above normal snowfall for areas from New York City to Boston. Meanwhile, cities farther south, including Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, will be more likely to get a mix of rain and snow. Allison, you know where I'll be. I'll be in D.C. Baltimore could get as far south as Florida. (laughs) Despite that, uh, we do want you, however, to make sure that you are prepared for the winter. So make sure you visit nyc.gov slash emergency management for all the information that you need to be winter ready. Thanks, Omar. And that is the Situation Report. Still to come, we will be talking with representatives from New York Roadrunners and from New York City Emergency Management. But first, here is a public service announcement from New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. (gasps) Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. You're listening to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. You are listening to Prep Talk, and we are back. Joining us for this episode, we have Todd Metro, the Senior Manager of Safety and Security at the New York Roadrunners. We also have Jim Heim, the Senior Vice President, uh, Event Development and Production and Race Director of the New York City Marathon, and Jacob Cooper, the Deputy Commissioner of training and exercises here at New York City Emergency Management. Gentlemen, thank you all for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yes, great, thank you. All right, let's get right into it. So the mission of the New York Roadrunners is to help and inspire through running. Can you give us some history about the New York Roadrunners and then how many runners are part of the organization? So hi, everyone. I'm Jim Heim. I'm the race director of the Marathon, and we work uh, all year at New York Roadrunners. We've been, we've been around since 1958. Mm-hmm. We started with 40 members. Today, we're over 70,000 strong. Wow. That's just on the membership side. We have about, about 220 full-time employees year-round living our mission. Lots of folks know us for the TCS New York City Marathon. We are the organizers of that, but we do a whole lot more than that, too. We're year-round with our event programming. We put on over 50 races a year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
those races average 5,000 or so people. We have close to 400,000 people running in our races each year. On the racing side, and then on the community side, we also have a huge youth and community program. Um, we have about 250,000 kids across the nation. About half of that is in New York City alone. We are in over 800 New York City schools with our free youth program called Rising New York Roadrunners, where we you know, teach kids the benefits of long-term athletic development and get them moving, help inspire people through running. It's our whole mission. Now, you, you mentioned some of the other races, because I know a lot of people are, are familiar with the, the marathon as it is the largest in, in, this, in the city. In the universe. And in, <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the universe. There you go. Uh, so what are some of the other uh, events? The other uh, races. And the other races, people. yeah. The, um, almost every weekend. We're out there. Literally, there's the longest we go. We don't really have an off season per se. Mm-hmm. Longest we go is about two weeks in a row where there's not a, a weekend event usually. Uh, we do a lot of work in Central Park and the park system in general. We, we're on the streets about a dozen times a year. Mm-hmm. So people would also know us for the, the popular Brooklyn Half Marathon, which is also the largest half marathon in the country. It's about 27,000 runners in that. And then the United Airlines New York City Half Marathon is in March. And that's a multi-borough event, about 25,000 runners in that. That's really kind of the that one is, is kind of the springtime equivalent to the marathon. Right. Same type of model. Destination event. We got folks from around the world coming in to run that one. And an you know, amazing elite athlete field in the front and, and live TV and, and the like. So that one really kind of mirrors the marathon in a lot of ways. So, Jake, you are the Deputy Commissioner for Training and Exercises here at New York City Emergency Management. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell our listeners about your role. Uh, so uh, Training and Exercises in EOC. I've, I have three units over me. Um, on the training side, that's, you know, goes from professional development to teaching people about different hazards, um, and ICS incident command system, how the city uh, manages emergencies and, and SIMS, the citywide incident management system. That's sort of part of our scope on the exercise side. It's not physical exercise, even though we're talking about running, it's more disaster drills. Um, and those come from, you know, your discussion-based exercises uh, to your uh, functional and full-scale exercises where we actually do things in the EOC and then out in the field, you know, shut down streets and have lots of lights and sirens and practice sims in the field. And then the last part of my my scope is the EOC unit, which is the command center upstairs, which is used to coordinate, you know, the city's coordination point for large-scale emergencies. So it's a small team, lean and mean. It's a good about 15 or 16 people, but a uh, large scope. And I like that Jake talked about uh, practicing because we mentioned in the SIT report uh, that you know agencies and emergency managers should practice their plans, and so this is actually Jake putting into practice <laughs> what we talk about, which practice is practice. Makes perfect. There you go. <laughs> and it's something we advocate, you know, on the individual level. Like we tell New Yorkers all the time, make sure that you practice your plan once you make the plan. Yeah. And, and we're doing the same thing here at, at emergency management. We actually, on our side of things, on the, on the race management side, we say it all the time. The plan is only as good as the paper it's written on. Right. It can't be put into practice, right? Well said. I like that, Jim. There you go. So the New York City Marathon spans across five boroughs and is considered the largest marathon in the world in the universe, as Jim mentioned before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's been organized by New York Roadrunners since 1970, which is incredibly impressive. Um, how many participants are involved in this year's marathon and how many spectators are expected? It is not only the largest marathon in the world, it's frankly, it's flat out one of the biggest events in the world in general. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, we hit 52,813 finishers and we expect to be right around that. We might even hit, we might touch 53, but we'll still be right around that same number. So 53,000 runners. 
which when you put that in perspective, that's like the entire population of the city of Hoboken, mm-hmm. where I always like to say, it's basically a sold out Yankee stadium that we're running through all five boroughs in New York City. And then there's a million plus people on the sidelines cheering them on. So it's, it's incredible. Way bigger than any, you know, single venue based event you can possibly have. This is the whole city coming to life. And the magic of that day, man, you can feel it. It's, I, I think it's New York's best day. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, you're an avid runner. Uh, so tell us about your participation in the New York City Marathon. Uh, well, my first marathon was in, in New York City was 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, um, I was working for the Parks Department before I came here. And I've run it. Um, I've run it 15 times. If I run nice. it this, yeah. If I run it this year, it'll be my 16th. He's in our uh, streaker program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, I just emailed actually about because my 2000 is under Jake Cooper, and I was like, I gotta get my results attached to my. Uh, we my can help you. Out. Don't yeah. worry about that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we can fix yeah. that. Yeah. Coordination at its there finest. You go. Yeah. 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 Just like, plug myself there. Yeah. So, uh, but I've been a member of the Roadrunners for a long time. Um, like I said, I used to work for the Parks Department, and I kind of got into running because. I wasn't paid a whole lot. I couldn't afford a gym. And so I'm working in Central Park and I'm like, there's all these people running. Like, I, this, I got to do this. And so I started doing Help it. Help and inspire people through yeah, running, Jake. There yeah, we go. Yeah. And so <laughs> learned that I love it. So yeah, I've run quite a few marathons uh, and some of their other races, which I love the Brooklyn Half is, is awesome. And a fun fact, Jake, you run to work every single day, don't you? I, uh, I run back and forth from work. Yep. Slowly. <laughs> uh, I run the morning, but yeah, I, I um, but I get stressed about about picking up the kids, and so it's easier for me to run home because I know I will get there on time to get the kids. Um, so yeah, I try to run back and forth, and so you, you guys can uh, figure out if I shower or not. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then, so uh, Todd. <laughs> With the New York City Marathon being an annual event, you know, is planning for this event continuous or is there a dedicated amount of time that focuses on the planning and executing of the race? And how do you prepare for things like inclement weather? Uh, that's, that's a great question, Omar. And uh, the organization is continually, continually always planning for the marathon. Um, that goes on on a year-round basis. And obviously, as we get closer to the marathon, we start to dial in and zero in and finalize and tweak these small little plans and little things that may pop up here and there. Um, but the answer to that first part of the question is it's a, on a continuous basis. Um, there are so many logistics and so many components that go into that planning. Um, you would be amazed at what goes on behind the scenes to actually see that. And it's a hardworking core group of people that do that and get that job done. Mm-hmm. Um, your second question there about the weather. Well, Omar, you talked about that earlier that, you know, the weather, winter's coming and everything like that. And weather is one of those unpredictable things. And we do not have any control over that whatsoever. Right. But we do plan for it. And we do take a lot of time to uh, plan and, and look at the weather. And, and uh, we take every step possible to, uh, to deal with it. Uh, things as rain, lightning, wind, uh, snow, ice, all those will affect runners, will affect the spectators. Um, and the staff and the volunteers that are out there. So we take every step possible to, uh, to ensure that everyone is safe uh, and looking at the weather. Uh, that we do several steps 
a little further, we bring in our own meteorologist uh, during our big scale events to actually monitor the weather a week before the event, uh, before the marathon. We bring him on board two weeks before he's sending us updates on what the weather's starting to look like. Um, so we can start to make preparations on our side. Um, and that would be anything as far as, uh, you know, what it could be a possibly a windy day and how do we make preparations for that? Are we, uh, is stuff going to be elevated? Is stuff going to have to be lowered and stuff like that? Tents, we do we, marathon, you relate a lot of tents. It's a lot of temporary housing, temporary spaces. So we use a lot of tents. So we have to watch that. Um, we bring in, as we get closer and we get down to, uh, you know, the, the week of the race, uh, we get a better site alignment, site picture of what the weather is going to be. And then we can really tweak our, our plan for what we're going to deploy for, for on that day. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of coordination involved with this then. So between having a meteorologist, I think that's so incredibly impressive yeah. because we, you know, consult the National Weather Service um, during severe weather events ourselves. Um, so it's nice to hear that even an organization like New York Roadrunners is doing something similar. Um, could you share um, with our listeners um, how... New York Roadrunners works with its partners to coordinate the event? Yeah, absolutely. This this is obviously what we're talking about here. This is no small task, the, the marathon that goes on. Like Jim said, we're going through the five boroughs of the city. There are a very small, finite amount of events that that uh, happens uh, in the city. Um, those other events that may go through the city do not have the spectator base that we have. So we have a million plus spectators out there. And plus they have 52,000, 53,000 runners and then the employees and stuff like that. So um, coordination with our state, local, and federal partners uh, for us is key. Um, That's a relationship that we have built over time. I've been with the organization now coming up on two years, and I've seen nothing but those relationships with those three uh, groups of agencies uh, come together and help and assist in every step that we take for, for this event. And that's the planning. That's the overall execution of the event. And then that's the breakdown and consolidation of the event at the end. Um, I'm a big um, fan of the relationships with city agencies, state, local, federal. Mm-hmm. Um, those relationships are key for everyone in the organization. Um, and as far as your planning as it goes and working out um, any little bugs or any little uh, hiccups that may come up along the way, uh, these people are just a phone call away and you're able to get these things done and, and get expert opinions and get expert input uh, on both sides of the fence. So yes, that collaboration between everyone is key. It's really incredible. I mean, we wouldn't even think of putting on the largest marathon in the world in any other city but New York City. With the resources here, mm-hmm. uh, the NYPD, to the Parks Department, to the DOT, the FDNY, everyone is so bought in and the resources are so incredible. Uh, it's, it's not our race. We're just stewards and we're just gathering everyone to, to talk about it. It's the, it's the people's race. It's the community's race. Right. But the buy-in of the city is where the magic comes in. It's, it's unbelievable how much uh, coordination happens. And I'm glad that you mentioned buy-in of the city. I'm glad that you mentioned coordination. Emergency management is the coordinating agency here in the city. Uh, Jake, talk to us about how we work in coordinating this event along with Roadrunners and other city agencies. Yeah. So the coordination from this is, is all those city agencies. I know that you guys have a, a race central standpoint where you have agencies at. We do. The, 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 uh, the JOC, the Joint Operations Center uh, over at NYPD is, is open up with agencies. We bolster our staffing here at Watch Command. Our operations folks are out uh, at the, you know, out in the field supporting the race at different various places. Um, so there's 
there's a lot of resources that are going into it, you know, from our agency, but really from from the other city agencies, it's there's nothing that really compares to the size of that. Not even New Year's Eve like comes close. I mean, that's in a approximate area, you know, this is over 26 miles mm -hmm. going over bridges, uh, you know, and then just getting all those people there, like the logistics challenge, having done it yeah. all these times, <laughs> it's quite impressive. It's an event in and of itself yeah. just yeah. to get everyone to Fort Wadsworth. But yeah. so even the start of the mm -hmm. TCS New York City Marathon is so unique in and of itself, right? So that we're starting, we're saving folks in Fort Wadsworth, which is actually a national park. Right. So national park service, U.S. Park Police, and then tenants within that park are the U.S. Coast Guard, U.S. Army Reserve. Then we're going up onto the Verrazano and Irish Bridge. That's actually state property, right? But, so TVTA, you know, MTA Bridges and Tunnels. So the coordination is, is city, state, federal, for sure. So the marathon is also supported through various forms of media. It gets a lot of extensive media coverage. Um, one of the big initiatives is the digital effort of the TCS New York City Marathon app. Tell us about that. Marathon app, super proud of the app. We've worked on it for years. We've kind of you know, perfected it at this point. It's, it's amazing. About 400,000 downloads a year for the app. Uh, largely based for, you know, for friends and family. Um, huge part of it is tracking and knowing where your runners are. We have the, the largest timing operation of any event in the world. There are 38 timing locations out in the course. You have runners run over a mat and that mat reads the RFID chip that's on their, on their bib and lots of technical stuff happens, but <laughs> millions of points of data coming into us. So every single mile along the route, every 5K split, the halfway point, we know where they are at all times. So knowledge is power, right? We use it for the app. We use it for um, controlling the, you know, the operational aspects of the race too, obviously. But um, the app really lets the friends and family know where their loved ones are at any point in time. And then there's lots of cool features to it, spectator features of where different live musical acts are and whatnot. There are over 135 um, musical acts along this course, which is unlike any other event in the world too. So you, can, you don't even need the headphones in. You've run this before, right, yeah. Jake? You can, yeah. you can feel the communities as you run through them. So it's really, really cool. Uh, but the Marathon app this year, cool new little feature is a little bit of augmented reality. So if you, if you uh, have the app and you put it over your, your runner bib, Shalane Flanagan, who was the right. 2017 <laughs> TCS New York City Marathon champion, the first American woman to win in, in 40 years, mm -hmm. she'll, come, she'll pop up <laughs> <laughs> augmented reality in the app on your screen, and she'll give you some nice inspirational messages um, each time you do that. It's pretty cool. I'm feeling inspired to get to, out there. That's the whole point. Download the app and to, to run. <laughs> get the marathon. out there and just start running. Right <laughs> <laughs> now, New York uh, Roadrunners, and you mentioned this earlier, also offers volunteer opportunities. Does extensive advocacy in New York City communities as well. Tell us a little about those efforts and initiatives. Yeah, so we have um, boy over twenty five thousand volunteer opportunities mm -hmm. a year with us. A lot of that's the races, but a bunch of that we do a lot of work, especially with the parks department on you know, cleaning up different parks in the city and daffodil planting. And um, we'd like to you know, partner with them in any way we can. Um, lots of opportunities there. And we, we've had, also had this program called Open Run. Which I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it yet, but check it out. There's 20 Open Run sites throughout the city now. And the Open Run is a free community 5K. It's basically for the community, by the community, all volunteer led. And they're same time, same day of the week each week. So in Astoria Park or Brooklyn Bridge Park, or, you know, there are 20 of them throughout the city, um, always same time. So it's, built, it's building community and volunteers are, are a part of that. So it's a really cool thing right in the community by the community. Mm, I like that. Cool. So the running world has seen a lot of excitement, especially in recent months. We have someone who ran a marathon under two hours. 
A woman set the new world record at the Chicago Marathon. Um, we now have somebody who's boasting the most world championship gold medals. So this is my question for the runners. <laughs> what is your motivation? Is the goal always to win? Is it to just do your best or is it something else? Jake, let's start with you. Well, in New York City Marathon, my, my goal is to win. No. <laughs> you got this, Jake. Is that, you is got that this. realistic? <laughs> Probably not. Um, I mean, I, you know, as I've gotten older, I've I've certainly gotten slower. But I think, you know, you usually, your motivation is- What's is, your PR, Jake? Oh, it's uh, 233. Holy but cow. That, that, that was a long time ago. But that's- that was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, but- it's uh, really good. It wasn't in New York though. <laughs> New York's New York's a hard it's course. A, it's a tough course. And New York's a hard <laughs> course. I mean, you you have the the excitement, but it's like, but you also have the hills. Yes, <laughs> you, you have do. the bridges. <laughs> um, but I think you know it's it's a lifestyle, and I think generally you're running against, you're competing against yourself. You're trying to improve what you've done. You're trying not to get injured, but really you're trying to improve your performance, your past performance, and. Um, for me, it's really a lifestyle. Like I love to get out there. My times as I've gotten older have been less important to me, but being able to be out there injury-free, uh, run, the stress relief. So for me, it's much of a lifestyle. And, and you know, it's great to be able to run the marathon, all the excitement that comes around with that. But, you know, I, I, I love the activity in itself. So It is so unique too, right? If you think about it, um, in sports, you don't get to be on the court with LeBron right. James, right? Okay. But in something like the New York City Marathon, you are running with the very best in the world on the same day, on the same course they are. You get to see how you stack up to them, which is probably a little bit further back. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the social aspect to it, the, the people willing you along, it's all about yourself. You're, you're racing for yourself and for everybody else that's around you. Yeah. Now, we talked about, uh, and Allison mentioned, the uh, recent women's world record at the Chicago Marathon. So would she be able to then compete in the New York Bridget City? Bridget Koskai, yeah. amazing performance there. She crushed the world record by almost two minutes, 2.14.04 out there. And that was a 16-year-old record. Um, so amazing performance. Uh, so the answer is no. I mean, it's, it's a little bit too quick for that type of elite athlete. You need um, you know, a few months of recovery time. They're running, on average, maybe twice a year in the marathon distance because it takes a lot out of you right. when you're running that kind of – man, two four, what is that per mile? That's – really fast <laughs> a lot faster um, than us so yeah. she wouldn't she wouldn't quite have enough recovery time to, to you know function at the elite level i mean uh, that i think it's uh sometimes you see elites that will get to a certain point if they're not going to win they're going to drop out because they're trying to save themselves because you have like the, the marathon though it does beat you up no matter what level you're when you're running at that pace um you know like like jim said you can only really run a couple if you really are shooting for like a goal time, um, you know, sometimes people do amazing things close together, but I would say you have to respect the cycle and, and, you know, the distance itself. You have to give yourself some time in between. I like where this conversation is going. So I'm going to hop right into it for our listeners out there who uh, may be avid runners, who may be participating in the New York City Marathon. What are some last minute training tips for them? I'll take that question, I guess, first to start <laughs> off as as a runner also, I haven't really chimed in here too much, but I'm like, uh, unlike Jake, I'm not a 236 marathon or whatever. I'm like 353, 343, somewhere around there. Still excellent. That's excellent. But I believe that the the most important thing when people start running and learning how to run and, and somewhere to start off is that you need to start off slowly. A lot of people now, run, we've seen a 
a huge expansion in the last few years of people wanting to get into the running community and and actually in all three disciplines and run, swim, biking, and so forth. And, and that whole exercise community has just taken off. But with regards to running, um, start off slowly, start off with some smaller races. Don't go out there and try and uh, kill it right away and try and get all those podium finishes right away. At the end of the day, what's going to happen is your ultimate goal is going to be to finish a marathon if you're a runner. Um, if you're starting off slowly, you'll build yourself up into uh, up until the marathon distances. You'll do some 5Ks, 10Ks, some half marathons, and then you'll get yourself to, um, to the full marathon. Along those lines, obviously, to get to a marathon, you're going to need to uh, enlist some sort of coaching plan, some sort of uh, coach itself, maybe, whether you can go online. Nowadays, there are a tremendous amount of apps and, and good programs out there to help coach you through if you want to self-coach or if you want to hire a coach. Um, that's important. My most important um, tip that I could give anybody here today listening, I would say that the key to running to any of these disciplines nowadays is your nutrition and your hydration. A lot of people underestimate that. They try to go out there and do it without water, without any hydration, without any supplements for food. You need that stuff to get you through any of those distances, whether it's a simple 5K or it's a, it's a, it's a full marathon. So hone in, lock in, zero in on your nutrition and hydration, and you will go much further than you think you're going to go. like that. like that. Jim, anything to add there? Um, no, I think it's a brilliant answer there, Todd. But really, just res- you got to respect the distance. You cannot just show up and total line for a marathon distance without being ready to be there. So if you're, if you're not to this point, um, when you get close in, 20, right? You want to be able to hit 20. If you can run 20 miles, you can run 26.2. So you got to get out to stretch yourself out to a long run of that type of distance as you're heading in. Um, but if you're not ready for it, you really shouldn't toe the line because you can only get yourself in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think so from, from my standpoint, what I see a lot is like usually a lot when you're tapering the last few weeks, you start to get stressed out. And that's when a lot of us sabotage our own race <laughs> by doing something you know, feeling like, oh, geez, you know, I really need to run hard. And it's like, you know, during the taper, you got to scale back. Um, and, you know, I, I see a lot of times people try different things the last week when it's like, no, you know, trust your training, trust the things you've been doing. Don't try to do something different the last week because it only is going to get you in trouble. How uh, far out do you taper down, Jake, from your training? So I do quite a bit of mileage. And so I... I try to do a three-week taper, but really it's sort of like the three weeks out, I still do probably too many miles. And this is my this is my problem. I, I run too many miles. I need to like – my coach would constantly tell me like you're, you're putting in too many miles, especially as I've gotten older. But I love running, so it's hard to, hard to turn that Labor off. Labor love. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, you know, I would say the other thing that I've learned a lot is, especially in New York, is don't get sucked out with the wave, so to speak, where – there's so much excitement and adrenaline. When that gun goes off, you're amazed at how fast you can run those first couple <laughs> miles. And then you're sort of like, ooh, you know, I've had in New York where I was like my fastest mile. <laughs> it's like yet- first couple. And then you get to the bottom of the Verizon and you're like, my legs are shot. You so, know? All right, so, so if like- we want to talk specifically TCS New York City Marathon, yeah, here's mm-hmm. a couple couple tips if you're running for the first time. Um, a lot of folks don't do it for the first time. About 65% a year. Um, it's a really, it's a bucket list wow. event, right? Um, huge people around the world and they're they want to cross that finish line and we can feel the meaning of what it means to cross that finish line it's, it's amazing stuff but our marathon starts in Verrazano bridge right mile one is straight uphill you're going right up the bridge but it's so 
imposing and powerful, you want to take off, slow down in that first mile, right? And then second mile, you're going downhill off the bridge. You want to fly down to Brooklyn too. Take your time on the bridge. Take it all in. There's plenty of distance to you know, really speed up those miles. You want to save yourself. You want to run in a marathon what's called a negative split. And when you get past the halfway point, you would like, ideally, to run the second half of the race faster than you ran the first half. You got no shot of doing that if you're going to expend all your energy in the first two miles, right? Pace yourself. The other one, really, so the five bridges are really, they're tough, right? Um, so 59th Street Bridge, Queensboro Bridge, Edcott's Bridge, whatever you want to call it now, <laughs> it's got a bridge of many names. That bridge is a real mental game. You're mile 15 into 16 there. And on that bridge, you're in a lower level. All you hear are the footprint, the foot. You know, patter patter of everyone around you. There's no spectators. There's no one around. You come off of that bridge and you turn on the first avenue and it's like entering a, a tunnel for a stadium, right? There's 10 people deep on either side of the road and they're willing you along that first half mile to a mile coming off that 59 Street Bridge, mile 16 is, is downhill and you'll want to do it again. You want to take off again and then there's a bunch of uphill that follows that. So if you expend all your energy there, you're going to be hurting 17 up until the, the wall at mile 20 in the Bronx. Um, Appropriately named, like you, that those last six miles, you got to be ready for that. So you got to save yourself for those. Yeah, fair, Jake. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> totally agree. I mean, I think the uh, the thing that um, people forget they they think about the uphills when you think about courses like New York and Boston. The downhills, the can downhills really can yeah. really shred your quads, and like it gets really hard to run when your quads are shot. Yeah. So um, the downhills, going too fast on the downhills, and I've done it. Going down, screaming down 59th Street uh, on the bridge, and <laughs> yep. you get to the bottom, you're like, Whoa, well, you know, you don't have that stability. So, yeah, we had a, a team member on our staff a couple of years ago who was, who was running his first marathon, and he was a tra- fast kid, ran at University of New Hampshire, and he was trained to run a sub 230 marathon. And he ran the Boston Marathon, and he came in like 318. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of downhills, Boston's got such huge downhills before you get to the very end and, and Heartbreak Hill that everybody talks about, but the downhills destroyed his quads like he never felt before in his life. This is Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast, and I love it because where else are you going to get the expert take on how to run the New York City Marathon? But also how to coordinate, you know, a major planned event at the same time. Boom. Yep, we've got it all. (laughs) So one last question. How do you qualify for the New York City Marathon? Obviously, I'm not an avid runner and I will never pretend that I am one. But based on all of these expert tips, what would you say to somebody who said, like, okay, I want to be part of the New York City Marathon? What do they have to do? If you're local in New York City, the most beautiful way to do it and the simplest way to do it is part of our, our membership program. We have a program called 9 Plus 1, where if you run in nine of our New York Roadrunners qualifying races and volunteer at one, you guarantee yourself entry into the next year's race. And if you think of the beauty of what that program does, that also gets you involved and gets you running with crowds of people. And running enough enough distance, and we got you know races of all distances all throughout the year, and there's 50 or so qualifiers to choose from. So it gives you the ability to get to get running and moving on a pretty regular basis. So it gets you ready to run that next year's marathon. That's the way I would I would recommend. And and for our listeners, our out of towners who are coming in to visit New York City for the marathon, I mean, you you get to experience the city. Uh, what other advice do you have for them just running or just coming to participate? It's always interesting to see the commercials about, uh, you know, the local stretch, this mile here and, and the mile there, those ads that they have, really informative ads. So what do you tell people who might be out of towners coming to, to view the marathon? 
Um, out of town, well, on average, it's about 20,000 folks come from overseas mm-hmm. to run the marathon. It, it is where the world comes to run. It's the most global race in the world, as well as being the biggest, right? Uh, and they usually bring about three or so people with them. So the, the economic impact is frankly enormous. It's the largest uh, economic impact driver event in the city each year, about $415 million of in- economic impact. Uh, but in terms of those folks coming over, what to do, especially on race day, yeah. it's just like emergency management. It's, it's have a plan. Right. If you are strategic with what you want to do and where you want to see a runner at multiple points in time, subway system's the best route, right? Lots of people, lots of people will go to Atlantic Terminal, maybe mm-hmm. around mile eight. And then, then they can, if you're in First Avenue and Fifth Avenue, and then somewhere in the post finish, you can see a runner three and four times. So we, see, we do see the crowds move with the runners, with the bubble of folks. Uh, but that, what's amazing about it is 26 miles all the way through, it's really nowhere where there's no one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really incredible. The the community, not just not just folks that have someone directly running the race, but the community owns this race, man. We have generations of families in, in Brooklyn and throughout the whole course. But I know of an, a station, a fluid station in Brooklyn, that has got four generations of family members wow. that come out and volunteer every year. Like, who, this is their marathon. This <laughs> isn't my marathon. This is this is their marathon at mile eight there in in Brooklyn. Uh, so pretty amazing stuff. And then on the post finish, really important. What I would tell folks to do is really have a plan there. Right, the family reunion area is in Central Park West, but it's super crowded, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, so I would pick a spot that's three, four, five blocks off, uh, maybe a, you know somewhere for brunch or dinner or whatnot, um, and pre-plan that spot to meet your loved one there. It's going to be a lot simpler than going into the crowd to meet them. Mm-hmm. Any um, safety and security uh, measures or tips that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, just to echo exactly what Jim said, uh, everyone should have a plan, a meeting place afterwards. Uh, whether it's just a normal finish or in the event that something does happen and there's an emergency and we have to change or divert things around, please have a plan, have a meeting place. If cell phones are somewhat uh, tricky on that day of the marathon because there's so many people in the city, so service isn't as good as it normally is sometimes, so you may not be able to get in touch with your your family or your loved ones. So just have that plan uh, in place where you're going to meet, whether it's back at your hotel or like Jim said, it's back at a restaurant or a somewhere else that uh, you've picked uh, a friend's house and something like that. But that's the most important thing because you may not be able to communicate if the cells, uh, cell service is, uh, is as slow as it sometimes is when you bring that many people into a certain area, especially Midtown, right around Central Park there. And when cell saturation happens, text messages go through a little bit better than phone calls do. Yes. We always tell folks that. Correct. Are you sure you guys don't work here? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of coordination there. Lots of coordination. We love it. All right, so it's rapid response time, and if you are a first-time listener, it's simple. Omar and I will ask questions, and our guests will give the first answer that comes to mind. It's time for Prep Talk Rapid Response. All right, the first question is for everyone. We're going to start with Jake. What is your favorite sports moment or favorite sports television show or film? This is going to make a lot of people upset, but the uh, 2004 ALCS greatest sports. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Get him out of here. I'm Get sorry. Out of here. David Ortiz, I, you know. <laughs> that is, that's the greatest. <laughs> no, we're not. I don't think we can accept that answer. So, wow, for our it's, listeners. It's fine. I'm glad you said that because I'm going Philly with mine. So we- oh, <laughs> oh, what is going on? This is a New York City 
emergency management podcast <laughs> new york city it's true they it's are true. part of big cities we have to kind of give them all right fair. Give them a little credit. i'll Sorry. take i'll take it the other way and i'll go with the film and and my favorite i'm a big sports fan a college sports fan actually but i will go film wise and i will say any given sunday is the best film ever out there just those three words well any given sum sunday. it up Spectacular. Any given marathon Sunday. See, we'll take Todd's answer. I'm not so sure about the other two. See, my, so I, before I worked here, I used to work for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I was there basically the whole down McNabb years, okay. 98 to 06. And we, if you followed them then, I'm sure it's probably Giants fans you didn't. We went to four straight <laughs> NFC Championship games. Yeah, we remember. And the last time um, when we finally won the NFC Championship, then we, you know, we went on to lose those but being on the field at the moment we won the nfc championship game and mm-hmm. feeling that emotion there um it it feels like what i get to experience with cro- folks crossing that marathon finish line you can see how much it means to people right. um that feeling of finally getting over that hump and, and getting to the super bowl was a, a one i'll never forget we'll uh, accept it then okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what is currently on your playlist todd we'll start with you all things post malone Love wow. that music. Love him. Do you have a, a favorite <laughs> Post Malone song? I, I don't. It's funny. Co- good question. I don't, I don't have a favorite song from him at all. I, I actually enjoy all of his music, whether it's slow or fast, whatever mm-hmm. it goes. Um, I do run early in the morning. and That's uh, a workout warrior. Yeah. I, so um, I run with a couple of people early in the morning, and uh, whether I have my headsets on or not, uh, that's usually going. Better Now is my favorite uh, Post Malone song. You probably think that you are better now. Wow, better there you now. go. <laughs> Jim, what about you? Don't cut that I, out. I, honestly, I don't really have a playlist right now. I listen to a lot of ESPN radio. Um, I've got a two-hour commute and three little kids. But if I had if I had some music on, it would probably be some Dave Matthews. Okay, nice. ESPN radio is good, too. Michael K. show is my, my favorite. I listen to that when I go home. There you go. Yeah. Jake, what about you? Uh, so I've been listening to Bon Iver and De La Soul and uh, nice. put Duran Duran, Grace Hits on the, the MP3 player yesterday. So, yeah, I like to mix go. it up with the music. Yeah, yeah. All good answers. Um, and prep talk. I mean, I, <laughs> I put in, in between my video game podcasts and true crime podcasts, I put in prep talk yeah. and run to it. I do. Okay. It gets the tempo or the heart pumping. Is this, is this for your Boston Red Sox answer? Uh, yeah, you're trying to make up for it? Right. He's trying right. to make up. Yeah, yeah, I think Absolutely. so. But that's okay. <laughs> All right. Final question. Sum up the work you do in one word. Jim, we'll start with you. Oof, one word. Inspire. Mm. Jake? Can I use a hyphen? Of course. Conference call. (laughs) Done. Collaboration. It's the way it is. Well, thank you all for being here today. This has been a very informative conversation about emergency management and a planned event as large as the TCS New York City Marathon. Um, to all of our runners for this marathon and beyond. We wish you good luck and stay safe and prepared. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much, yes. That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.